0: You're listening to The Elevate Podcast, featuring exclusive audio from Catalyst, the official singles conference of the Los Angeles International
1: Church of Christ Singles Ministry. All right. um, Well, today, still hugging people. It's so great. All right. So what this class is going to kind of delve into for those of you in the audience and for actually even us up here is when in our walks have we been refreshed? When has there been a time where we're like, whoa, that just happened. We just got filled up in whatever form that took. Now, a lot of times it comes in pain and anguish format, and sometimes it comes in a joyful format. So, just to prepare everyone, after we talk up here, we're going to do a Q&A, which means you can ask us questions, but also I'm going to be calling out to the audience to kind of step it up and share so we can all learn from one another of when you've been refreshed or how you've refreshed someone else. Because in all honesty, we're all here to kind of refresh each other. Both on encouragement dates, if it's trying to find a relationship where the intention should be to refresh one another and get closer to God. And really just just be present and where we're at spiritually. So let's get it going. Prepare yourself. Galatians 5.22, everyone. If you want to turn there, you can you can get some quick tidbits for this, this Q&A afterwards. Where's the oldest disciple? I kind of wanted him to read this. I'm joking. We got this. Um, <laughs> Galatians 5.22. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness. So... Just think of the times that you've been given that, or that you've given that to somebody else, um, or you've even received it as a present, as a fruit. So think on that. We're going to get to that at the end, and we're going to jump right into basically a little discussion, testimony kind of segment. Uh, We have Bree. She's amazing, everyone. Veronica, over there. So Bree's going to jump in first. Veronica's going to go second. I'm going to kind of go third, kind of close us into the Q&A session, but we're going to go in the Q&A session. Let's get some meat going. Let's get real. Thank you for your time. Let's get this going.
2: All right. (laughs) Good morning, everyone. Like Michael said, my name is Brianna. Um, Before we start, we're going to be sharing some uh, very personal, deep things. So I think just from my heart, I ask that if you're going to discuss what's talked in this classroom, I pray that it's for helping someone else or for refreshing your own self, that it's not to just gossip and just talk for the sake of talking. <laughs> I'm gonna being open, but to be vulnerable takes a lot of work for me, uh, so I would just really re- appreciate if you respected that. Um, <clears throat> okay, so I am three years old spiritually, as of April 4th of this year. Uh, thanks, guys. <laughs> yes, and... Compared to 42 years, it is nothing. It's a blip on the screen. Uh, But I think it took a lot of work for me to get to this point. Um, I am going to have a disclaimer. I feel a little bit like Paul right now. Actually, a lot of it like Paul. I don't have all the answers. I don't have anything figured out. Um, As you can see, I'm a little unsure right now. Uh, But frankly, I just know Christ, and I know how the Holy Spirit has affected my life. Uh, Referring to 1 Corinthians 2, 1 through 5. So, to be honest, I did not want to write this lesson. Uh, Don't get me wrong. Public speaking is not a fear of mine, and I am so honored by the opportunity, but I didn't want to have to reflect on the hardest and darkest time in my life. I don't willingly or enjoy remembering times where I would fall asleep sobbing, wake up sobbing, wasn't eating. Uh, If my best friend and roommate didn't cook for me and watch me eat, I wouldn't have ate. I literally didn't function. I was essentially a shell. Uh, I would start crying at work, I had nothing to give to anyone. And um, attached to that time, I'll explain later, And there's also like an identity crisis that I went through that really shook me, essentially, on I, how I really viewed myself. I also feel like it's a very intimate time of my life with me and God. Uh, God and I grew closer. I learned a lot about myself and learned that I will be a disciple for life after going through this period of time. Um, and so I think it's really hard for me to share something that is really close to my heart and that I essentially hold sacred. And also it's difficult to make sense of it all. I have a hard time understanding what I went through. And then to make it into a lesson where hopefully it's beneficial for others was extremely difficult. Um, But getting into it, I just wanna preface like, going through a horrible grieving time, enough with the pep talks. It is not helpful when people share intellectual truths. When you feel at your lowest point, and it's yes, you're aware, God is with you, this time will pass, there are good times ahead, Those are all good things to hear, but that's not what you want to hear. I think I heard a lot of intellectual truth, and what I really needed was to find emotional truth. I needed to connect with the biblical truth. I want to verify that any and all loss is valid. Uh, There is no such thing as a small loss. If it hurts you, it hurts you. Uh, Please don't dismiss that. That's definitely what I did. Um, And I think there's a lot of cookie-cutter and cliche scriptures that we give each other. I think of Philippians 4.14 or pretty much any of the Psalms, which are all true. I'm not... Knocking that, um, but I think we need to tailor what we say to the person, uh, to what they're feeling, and not just kind of spout out these scriptures like it's a, a band-aid, a fix-all. Um, we definitely need to uh, do our best to relate to the person in their grief. And um, the grief that I'm talking about is a grief, a physical loss. Uh, right before my second, no, right after my second's birthday, I started going through grief recovery because before that, two people that I was very close to died of cancer in the same week. Uh, My favorite uncle and a dear friend of mine died five days apart, Um, including those deaths, that is nine deaths that I have survived throughout my life, um, all people that I have loved dearly, Um, and it's been the spectrum. Suicide, um, alcoholism, drug abuse, murder even, and I never mourned any of them. So essentially, I was grieving nine people at once. Um, Associated with that, I also realized that I just had a very negative perception of myself. I was raised by a single mom. She's awesome, don't get me wrong, I love her. But I think seeing that, I was like, cool, you can have a great life and be single, which is validated. yes, that is possible. Uh, but I realized more so than that, I felt like I couldn't be in a relationship, especially being at my emotionally lowest point when I was raised that women are emotional gladiators. When men screw up, uh, you fix it. You have children to raise, job to work, people to love, you do your job as a woman. There's no time to be broken. There's no time to be flawed. Um, And so realizing that that's where I was, I was like, I have nothing to give. I'm invalidated as a person. Um, And so I just felt like I can't even be in a romantic relationship. Uh, Before becoming a disciple, I was in several. Uh, After becoming a disciple, I was adamantly opposed. Never wanted to date, never wanted to marry. uh, And I just thought it was because I was too busy, didn't want it. But in reality, it was that I thought I wasn't worthy. I thought I would screw up the other person. I had nothing to give. And my true self-vision of myself was that I was wasn't worthy of that, that no one could love me if they saw the true me. Um, and so I think during this time, emotional refreshment had to be defined for me by God. Uh, and I think for either person, it's going to be different depending on what you're going through. Um, but what I really had to cling to as a biblical truth were Psalm 34:17, 17, uh, for the Lord is close to the brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed in spirit. And I paired that with Luke 1, for no word from God will ever fail. There were several days, weeks even, Uh, where that was all I read, like that was my quiet time. I would read that repeatedly and be like, God, this needs to be true. I have nothing if this is not true. Uh, The rest of the Bible could not exist, as far as I was concerned. Those are the only things that mattered to me, because I had nothing else to cling to. Um, And so essentially, I was like, you need to prove to me that Christ died, that he rose again, that this is real. Uh, Thinking of 1 Corinthians 15, 12 through 19, uh, where Paul talks about, if Christ didn't raise again in three days, then we are to be pitied above all men. That if Christ, that all this is a lie, we are the, honestly, we're the biggest fools. And I was like, God, like, please don't let that be true. If it is, I have nothing left. I have nothing to give to anyone. I have nothing to give to myself. Um, at the very least, I just need to know that this is true. And so I think my advice is to prepare for the storm before it hits. Um, I think emotional refreshment will come at For everyone at some point in time, um, whether it's a physical loss or you move or a job or whatever, you're going to need that time where God, those biblical truths are proven true to to you. Um, And my advice is definitely don't wait until your eyes are, your vision is blurred with tears before you start assessing yourself, assessing your life, and assessing what truths you need in advance. I think uh, definitely I'm an avid supporter of therapy. Um, I think deep self-reflection, but also really having that support network. I, Because of what I was going through, I got out of leadership, I transitioned into the single, and I called up Angela Williams, Monica Banks, and a few other just dynamic women, and I was like, listen, I'm broken, I got nothing, I'm not going into leadership, you need to focus here, lock eyes, like I need you in my life, and so I was very intentional with stitching together that support network, um, but I had to do that at a desperate time, Uh, if you can do that Proactively, I highly recommend it. Um, and also find those scriptures that you know when times get hard you can go to. I had to search and dig to find these scriptures. And, like, if I hadn't have found them, I'd have, I wouldn't have been a disciple for a third year. Um, but I wish that I would have, if I would have found them in advance, I think I would have been much more stable uh, and braced for the storm before it hit. I think also being on life of the other side, coming through a horrible time in my life, Uh, seeing what life looks like, I think I really saw that I needed that time. I think that's why it's so intimate and personal for me, uh, is because it established the answer for the hope that I have. Uh, Thinking of 1 Peter 3.15, becoming a disciple was difficult. My family did not support it. There's a lot of persecution. Uh, Moving to do a one-year challenge in L.A., again, family was not on board. Nobody agreed. Uh, But I was like, no, God wants me to do this. True, all very true. Uh, But to remain a disciple is a different type of faith than to become a disciple. Uh, And granted, I'm still pretty young, three years, admittedly, but I feel like it's been 10 years in, honestly. Like, I feel like i have been in the trenches for forever. Um, And because of that, I know that I will be a disciple till I die. I've seen the truth. I know what it means in my life, and I'm not giving it up for anything else. And I pray that you all have that kind of anchored conviction and that you know without a doubt that you have a solid answer for the hope that you have. And if it has to come through something horrible and painful and ugly, Than it needs to like I'm I'm sorry that you have to go through that, but I'm actually not at the same time because the answer on the other side is so worth it. Um, I think because of that, I have increased empathy. Uh, I'm very more much more relatable and I have a more of a value on discipleship. Uh, My roommate can tell you I'm very logical, very structured. Uh, I don't really do well with emotions. They kind of freak me out. Uh, and so when people tell me really emotional things, you're like, I have this really, like, romantic dream. I was like, that's dumb. Why do you want that? And, like, that like, literally was my heart. I was like, that's weird. But, like, now I'm like, oh, that makes sense. Yeah, totally. Let's pray for that. Uh, so I definitely feel like my heart's a lot softer and I'm a lot more understanding. Um, but also I think, I, like Jesus, in Hebrews 5, 7 through 10, I suffered to learn obedience. Um, Jesus could do everything, honestly. He was brilliant. He was wise. He was strong. Uh, But it even says in Hebrews that he became perfect. He had to suffer to learn obedience. Like, he even needed to understand what obedience meant in the hardest time of his life. Uh, And so I really felt like that's what I had to go through. I learned obedience through suffering. I learned that I will not forsake the scriptures uh, for any other reason, for any reason, frankly. Um, And I think I also understood that I am not an emotional gladiator. Moreover, I don't need to be an emotional gladiator. Uh, it doesn't benefit anyone. doesn't benefit myself. And that doesn't validate me as a woman, doesn't validate me as a person, and doesn't validate me as a disciple. Um, that I am flawed and I am worthy and that is enough because God said it was. Um, and that my tasks are very simple, frankly. Uh, my tasks are to know my emotions, to so be able to identify them and adequately assess how I'm doing and how I'm feeling. Uh, my second task is to respect those feelings that I'm not a horrible person, I'm not, something's not wrong with me that I feel these things, Uh, and to grant myself the the freedom to feel those things. Uh, And my third task is to not remain in those feelings. If you're feeling something, you're feeling it. Like, that's just what it is. Emotions are valid. They're real. God has emotions. However, you can't stay in those emotions. You can't be run by those emotions. And I think, also, allowing God to refresh you through your emotions is a tricky thing, especially if you're not particularly emotional. Um, and so I think, for me, honestly, what emotional refreshment through the Holy Spirit, through this time, is, like I said, that I got to learn obedience. Uh, but moreover, that it is extremely necessary to go through grief, hard times, and just those times in your life where you'd rather forget, um, even just reflecting on, like, when I was writing the lesson, having to reflect on all of that, I was emotional, didn't want to write the lesson, but I was like, wow, like, I am honored that I went through that period of my life. I am honored that I in nine deaths and that I had an identity crisis because God picked that situation for my heart. Your grief and crisis would not have affected me. Like if I was in your grief and dynamic, it wouldn't have hit my heart, and vice versa. Like God picked that crisis for you and picked you to go through that crisis so that you can learn the lessons you need to. Uh, so I just pray that you don't invalidate your grief, don't invalidate your loss, and don't invalidate your need for emotional refreshment. Um, And telling speaking from someone who's on the other side whether you're going through it or when you do go through it because we all do um, That it is very doable. You can survive it uh, And I just pray that you find those biblical truths for yourself. So thanks for letting me share and I hope it was helpful All right, so
0: um I'm I just want to say that I'm really encouraged you guys are here. I've been coming to these for many, many years. And just grateful you guys are here. You know, keep coming and always come with an open heart. Um, So, like Bree and, and Mike, you know, when you are asked to share, you don't, you know, I would think most people or all people, We don't take it lightly, you know, we think, okay, how can I, you start off with, okay, this is what I'm going to write, and then you start praying, and then you're like, oh gosh, I'm kind of doing this for myself, sometimes, you know, there's some areas where you're like, you're doing this for yourself, and and you're like, okay, God's calling me to go deeper and deeper, and then you start getting uncomfortable, you know, because what are people going to think, what are people going to say, or whatever, and then you just get to a point where you're like, okay, God, I just want to impact your people, and I just want them to Find hope. Maybe there's there's always going to be at least one person here that is going to say, "Oh my gosh, I relate to that." It just happens. You know, God works that way. Um, but our hope is that many people are are somehow touched and encouraged to to say to themselves, "Okay, if they're going through this or they went through this, then I can too." You know, and then most importantly, turn back to the scriptures and say, "Okay, I need to." as hard as it is because we want the easy way out it's i have you know for you guys to turn to the scriptures so um my name is uh veronica bracamontes i'm 36 years old and i'm 16 years as a disciple i was uh raised most of my life by a single mother along with three brothers Jose forgive me one of my brothers is a disciple his name is jose bracamontes He's a tall, handsome Latina brother with a big smile. He's actually a really great guy, and he's at the conference. He's in the back, and he's single. <laughs> and, they're pointing, and they're pointing at him right now. All right. Okay, that's done now. Um, so at this time, I am uh, super happy to share about God's, how God restored my heart and refreshed my heart from uh, Bitterness, resentment, and anger to complete forgiveness. Um, Please keep in mind that throughout my sharing, the reason why I'm even able to share is because I've um, thankfully held to scriptures like Luke 137 that says, for no word from God will ever fail. So now to give you a little bit of a background. um, uh, My father... uh, had been unfaithful to my mother for several years while I was in my late preteen and teen years. He had a child out of wedlock and was deceitful. A lot, a lot of things happened It was super, super painful when I was um, just growing up. My world was turned upside down, and during those years, I felt like I just everything was crashing down. It was really weird, you know. I'd never, I've always heard of stuff like this happen to other people, but it was just weird. And that, um, and so. My father um, was someone I really used to look up to, uh, but now he would often do things to communicate to me that I was never first or second or even third in his life. I grew to not trust him and not rely on him. I felt like uh, um, I felt let down often by him and even lost respect for him. When I became a disciple at 19, I forgave my father. However, as a disciple, similar situations or interactions would happen with him that would leave me feeling. Uh, Like, I could not count on him. I just disappointed and and couldn't have that, what I thought would be a normal relationship with, you know, a father-daughter relationship. Um, I felt like I was probably, uh, probably be able to rely more, like, on a neighbor than him. I mean, that's how distant I felt. Um, That hurt me super, like, very deeply, and it uh, became, it turned into bitterness and resentment and anger, um, I cannot remember exactly when this happened, but after a few years of being a disciple, I began to struggle with with bitterness and um, resentment um, towards him and and even towards other people due to um- uh you know those situations still happening as a disciple and I would often respond very disrespectfully towards him, angry, short, and just rude, unloving you know uh whenever he would not acknowledge me or he would um, be unloving with me, you know, or he would bring something up or act like nothing happened. And, you know, I just wanted to let him know, like you messed up, you know, and, um, not until about 30 years of age, did I become conscious of the seriousness of my sin towards my father. Um, during my first 10 years as a disciple, I had come across the following scriptures several times, but it wasn't until, um, A little bit ago that it really hit me hard. A couple years ago, Matthew 6.14 says, For if you forgive others, people, when they sin against you, your Heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive you your sins. At that point, my conscience was not clear. I was deeply and disturbingly cut to the heart by the idea that I may not be forgiven by God. All I wanted in this world was to see God one day. And I realized that if I did not forgive uh, my biological father, I would not be forgiven. Period. There wasn't nothing after that scripture. It's like, you will not be forgiven. I began to work. So all of you know your rationale. Yeah, but you don't understand. Yeah, but see, if he were to apologize, then I could overcome this, you know. No, he didn't say any of that in the scriptures. I began to work on my heart in order to forgive my father and to let go of the control. However, I couldn't completely let go. Or actually, I couldn't let go. I was trying to, you know, but I, it's either you let go or you don't. It's not like in between, you know. I wanted to be pretty much like God and be the judge and punish punish him. After our regional 2012 New Year's party. um, Oops, I skipped up. Okay. A couple of disciples, including myself, went to pray at um, a sister's house. It was actually Angela Williams. And while everyone was in the living room praying at like 1 o'clock in the morning, I was in my friend's room crying my guts out for over like 30 minutes uncontrollably. I literally had a like a mini mountain of tissue on the bed. Like, full of mucus that come out of my nose and my mouth. You know, that kind where you just can't talk. You just cry. And people are like, oh, are you, what, you know, how can I help? I couldn't say anything. And I was, I was like, this is it. I don't care. I'm just going to cry it out because you're, you know. Um, So I was just tired of holding on to my sin. Um, I could not go on like this any longer. Um, In Proverbs 3.34, it says, God opposes the proud, but shows favor to the humble. I was like, I do not want to be opposed. Um, following that time, God provided me the opportunity to focus on my relationship with my father during an intensive reflective time of um, several hours. I had prayed desperately because I truly was desperate to, for help from God and wanted to make these changes. I finally was willing to do whatever it took. Like, you know, some of, some of us were like, okay, well, what it? I'll do it if. But I got to a point where I was like, I don't care. I just, this is what I want the most. And I just want to be right with God and be obedient and, and forgive. Um, I was stepping out of faith and was choosing to believe that God did have plans to prosper me and not to harm me. Like it says in Jeremiah 29:11. 11. Around that time, I began to study out God's promises and Satan's lies. God's promises and Satan's lies. I came to realize that I had not been listening and obe- that I have been listening and obeying Satan all along. Due to a thorough deep Bible study, I discovered that all these years Satan had literally done an amazing job in fulfilling his role in my life all this time. In John 10:10 it says, "The thief comes only to steal, blank, kill, blank." and destroy blank. Looking back, Sane was the one who had led to so many damaging things in my life. He had led my uncle to molest me, and, was, and it was not my fault that I had hap- that it happened. I used to, I guess, subconsciously blame myself. Sane was the one who had murdered my grandfather in Mexico, and not my father's cousins. Sane had led to my father being unfaithful to my mother, um, and having a child out of wedlock, Uh, saying, destroyed my parents' marriage, destroyed my relationship with my father, had hurt my family, left my family with so many wounds and anger, destroyed, most recently, my brother's marriage, and on and on and on. And that also is for your life. Um, For the first time, through the study on Satan's nature, I grew to hate Satan. You would think this would be obvious. You don't even think about it. But I was like, oh my gosh, I feel so dumb. Like, I've never hated Satan. You know, you look at movies and you see Satan as this little, like, comical thing. That's him doing a good job in your life. Like, that's what I thought, you know. Like, he's doing exactly what he needs to do is minimize himself. I realized that all along I had been redirecting my anger towards my father, towards my family members, towards other people, towards disciples, towards God, towards my circumstances, and... Very importantly, towards myself. All the while, Satan was just chilling in the corner, camouflaging himself, laughing or relaxing, being entertained by the great job he had done in my life. And I just became so angry towards him. Despite what others had done, including my father, I recognized that since I was a disciple of Jesus, I needed to take responsibility for myself no matter what. I, uh, and make sure I was following the scriptures if I wanted to be with God one day. My story was my story. That was just my story in my own head. However, God's word stood correct and true, no matter what my story was. Through studying out God's promises, I've learned and I'm still learning how I am, who I am, and what I am worth, regardless of what I believe or what my perception is of myself during my past circumstances. And Second Peter one three it says his divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life through our knowledge of him who called us by his glory and goodness. So I recognize that if being with God one day is what I want the most, then there is nothing I need because I have everything through Christ. I also recognize that as a disciple I have I've had to hate Satan. I have to hate Satan. And not myself. I have to hate Satan and not my father. And I have to hate Satan and not the people around me. And so on and so on and so on. About three years ago, I called my father um, following this period. And I apologized for my negative interactions with him for the last several years. Um, I told him that whatever happened in the past, referring to unfaithfulness and all the other hurtful things he'd done. Or that had happened was in the past and that moving forward, I wanted our interactions to be positive. For the first time ever, and my father apologized to me for not being a better father to me. I was actually not expecting that. And I was deeply touched and I had finally received the desire of my heart that I longed for the most. At that time, that was the thing I wanted the most. I was like, I don't care about anything else. I just, I wanna be right with my, you know, with my dad. I was so deeply grateful that I no longer felt any resentment or negative feelings towards my father. And to that, I just thank God so much. You know, every spiritual birthday, I go to Manhattan Beach where I was baptized in Southern California. And I just go and I just sit there and I just talk to God. You know, that's like me visiting God. Every time I go, I'm like, hi, God, how are you? You know, like, like if he's not everywhere, but that's just my time with him. And um, every time I go for my spirit, like, my for those years when all that stuff was going on I, every time I'd go, I'd cry, I would cry, I just had this deep pain, and I couldn't figure it out all, you know I just couldn't figure it out and that year after or that spiritual birthday following you know this breakthrough, um I cried, but it was out of happiness, like it was just I felt this huge you know thing in my chest just lift it like it wasn't there anymore. I was just so grateful. Um, and it just, you know, in Psalm one forty-five sixteen, it says, you open your hand. God does this. He opens his hand and he satisfies the desires of every living thing. And that was um, a desire fulfilled for me. So thank you guys.
1: Wow. Ah, Just think of my own father right there. Um, my name is Mike. Um, I've been three years coming up May Day. It's my birthday. 5-1. So I am going to be three. I've made it. Well, almost made it to three years old. So pumped. Um, and I truly am grateful to a lot of people in this room for getting me to where I'm at. Um, obviously, God and Christ has made it possible for this to happen, but without a lot of the individuals in this room and in in this church, it's just not going to make it. So my story does start off with kind of a a history of who I am, because that really leads to how I was refreshed. Um, I'm the middle child, so I don't know who here has been a middle child before, but you're the one that needs to live up to the older child. And uh, my brother was a hard one to live up to. I mean, he was through college math at age, I think 14. So, just a little gnarly, you know, just, just. and he's also a beach lifeguard. So, like, you know, a little I'm a little one following this dude. He's a beach lifeguard and done with college at like 14. You're like, "Yeah, I can I can draw a picture of a dragon." Um and it's just like, ah. Oh, man. So, Anyways, so I would trust my brother with everything. And I think this leads to my people-pleasing nature. Like, I mean, he can do no wrong, really, in my mind. As a young kid growing up, looking at a brother who's perfect, um, it's a falsity. Um, so one incident that I'll never forget, I was on the little zip liney things. You know what we're talking about, the awesome things that they used to have before I think they outlawed them and, because kids are getting hurt. little zip lines and the... the <laughs> the jungle gyms, so I'm getting pushed by my brother, and I'm like, this is awesome, he's pushing me faster and faster, and I'm like, this is the best day of my life, I get to go like Mach 5 on a zip line, and my brother's got my back, now, I actually learned about two years after this, that this is the time my brother got the most trouble his entire life with my father, so he's pushing me, and I go flying off the end of it, like straight rubber band, just whoop. Just start bouncing. But i made of rubber at age seven, so I just bounced myself safe because I'm made of rubber at seven. Now, I wasn't hurt. I was just like, wow, that's just a little too fast, I guess. But my dad could see because he was watching my brother behind me who wanted to see me fall. He wanted to see me fall off that zip line. He was pushing so fast, he's like, I wonder how much this guy can hold on. And I had a good grip because, you know, I'm a little, little climber guy. But... I never saw that I didn't even know about that so my whole life is built on this assumption that those around me are perfect and I'm imperfect I need to live up to them and then I'm the one that's at fault so I'm living a life that's successful from outside standpoints and I get met a man comes into my life named Scott Sweeney love that man And asked for me to come study the Bible. And I'm like, no, I'm good. Like, I got stuff. I've got things figured out. Now, deep down, I didn't. What I was doing was living a life to satisfy those around me my father, my brother, my friends. It was really just a selfish pursuit. I was lost. So I studied the Bible, studied the Bible, a year and a half, well, a year and like two or three months. I literally had to have a brother walk up to me and say, You need to make a decision. You need either stay or you need to go. And I'm like, But I'm come on now, like we're all getting along. This is great. And he's like, Well, this isn't really what this is about. You gotta have a relationship with God. And I'm like, Okay, what does that mean? And he's like, Well, what's stopping you? I'm like, Well, I don't I don't know if God exists. And he's like, Well, have you prayed about this? I'm like, What why no? Why why did I pray about this kind of stuff? And he's just like astounded because I was so good at just chameleon into a setting that no one called me out. I was so good at people-pleasing because I'd grown up doing it my whole life that, guess what? It took God intervening in this disciple's life for him to convict me to make a decision to follow him. So I prayed, and literally, no joke, like two 20-minute prayers later, I was having the gnarliest experience of my life involving God. And God straight humbled me and was like, you need to either follow me or you need to get off the boat. And I was, okay, well, I'm going to follow you. So I got baptized. And amen. The brothers that were in those studies that stuck it out for a year and a half, if you're in those studies or you're part of this outreach to the lost, like, we need it. I needed it back then. And doing this lesson made me go back there and, oh, just to tell you what, not a good spot. It's really painful, as these ladies so put before their talks. It's 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 a very uncomfortable spot to know how much darkness that you are in. So just thank you for all those people studying out here with people. It's just everyone needs it. So I get baptized and I'm like, I'm done with that old person. It's over. I scripturally, I mean, I'm good. Like, woo, it's rock and roll. But that little brother mentality for the older brother disciples didn't go away. So I'm sitting there on my walk and I'm trying to please the older disciples. It's like, hey, you doing a quiet time, bro? It's like, oh, yeah, it's like 20 minutes, 22 minutes long. I timed it. You know, are you reading the Bible? Oh, oh, yeah. I got this. You know, I've been reading, reading a bunch. It's like, Benjamites are left-handed. I mean, literally they are. It's kind of fascinating. but um, um, that's why they're such good swordsmen. Um, but besides that, I want to throw a scripture in here, Jeremiah 17:5. Now, I use the message version of this because it was mentioned in a little skit yesterday, and I just wanted to see what it said. Um, don't really read it that often, but it's kind of fun. Okay, God's message: Cursed is the strong one who depends on mere humans who thinks he can make it on muscle alone and sets God aside as dead weight. He's like a tumbleweed on the prairie, out of touch with the good earth. He lives rootless and aimless in a land where nothing grows. I was a tumbleweed, straight up, those first five months. I was just bouncing around, hey, yeah, you know, he's doing good, Super great. I wasn't connecting with the earth, I wasn't connecting with my father. I never needed to, because I got people, right? I like got myself. I'm super strong. I'm, you know, I can I can handle like an improv. This is great. And that was just Satan's lies. So this first five months, I was literally on a zip line. Not really getting open. Not really being the kind of man I needed to be for God. I was being a man for men around me, but not a man for God. So after five months on this zip line of little things, because you know zip lines are fast, but Tell you the honest truth, there's steps along the way. You know, oh, I just, you know, had an interest in this worldly girl, but you know, hey, it's not not that big of a deal because you know I got God, I'm strong. Bro was like, yeah, you're right, bro, you got it. So I'd gloss over the real important things in my heart. I wasn't getting in touch with what's in there, and because of that, it led to a basically a confrontation with sin. So five months into my walk, I become impure with a sister, in the, not a sister, but a girl in the world. And I'm sitting here, you know, flabbergasted, like, how did this happen? Oh, no. And honestly, it's because I wasn't real with my relationship with God. I'm going to read another scripture right now. Second Galatians 7. I mean, Second uh, Corinthians. There's no Second Galatians. I I learned that too in my long study, by the way. Second Corinthians. (laughs) 7.10 Godly sorrow brings repentance that leads to salvation and leaves no regret. But worldly sorrow brings death. See what this godly sorrow has produced in you. What earnestness, what earnestness to clear yourself, what indignation. what alarm, what longing, what concern... What readiness to see justice done, at every point, you have proven yourself to be innocent in this manner. Now, that hits me. Because, in a time of sin, which we've all been in, there's no one exempt in this entire room that I know of. I don't see Christ. He's floating around us, and he's in us. So, because, we've all sinned, we've all been to this place of repentance. We've all been to this place of God, I'm just not—I'm just not good enough for you, which is how I lived my whole pre-life. And the answer from God is basically the fruits of the Spirit. But before I get into that, in this moment of sin, I got open. Boom, got open to like every brother I knew, and you know the weird thing is I didn't even know why. Maybe it's ingrained in us or whatever else. Maybe it's the Holy Spirit. I think after the first time that you get open and you see the fruits of the Holy Spirit being given to you, almost like fresh apples and pineapples and berries, like you're just like, what? This is amazing. The forgiveness, the love, the joy that comes out. Now, there's also some judgment and there's some conviction that comes with it. But if the heart of the person that you're confessing to is in the right spot, it's it's a beautiful thing. So I just kept repenting because... I, I needed to. And I got open and Amen. I was refreshed. And I'm gonna read Galatians. I, I gave the teaser, Galatians five twenty two. But the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self control. Against such thing there is no law. Now I got open and I was given these fruits by the men in my life. One man in particular, this guy named John Tucci. Literally was like, that hurt me, bro. But it hurt God more. And to connect with the fact that I'm not trying to, you know, hurt not hurt guys' and girls' feelings. It's like, no, you don't want to hurt God's feeling. And to connect to that, and then to have the fruits poured afterwards, the gentleness, the self-control, he didn't get angry. He was straight like, what can I do? Do I need to call you daily? What do I need to do? How do I need to get in there, bro? And to see that heart from another man to see that heart from another disciple, like, come on. If you've been that person for somebody else, if you've seen that happen, like, it's, it only can come from God. Because it's a gift given without asking for anything in return. I mean, all of us have sinned and been given those fruits by someone that we love, that we've been a part of their life. And I know to the day that I pass on to another life, I will be entrusted with these fruits to give to others and to be given by others that are entrusted with them. We don't earn them. We get gifted them over time through a season of harvest. i going to one more scripture that just really got me the other day. It's in Proverbs. I mean, it's in Psalms. See, this is the whole... The peas. Psalms 1, 1 through 3. Blessed is the one who does not walk in steep with the bittered with the wicked or stand in the way that sinners take or sit in the company of mockers, but whose delight is in the law of the Lord, and who meditates on his law day and night, that person is like a tree planted by a streams of water, which yields its fruit in season and whose leaf does not wither. So I don't know where HW season's at. I know my season I feel like I'm in a pasture right now. There's some rough stuff, but Honestly, at least when it comes to spiritually, I'm in a pastor. I don't know what season we're in, but we're to grow this fruit of the Spirit. Study. We're to know our God. We're to know that He truly does love us. He wants to give us the great things that He's promised. And all we need to do is just not depend on our own wicked nature, but depend upon what He's given us in the Holy Spirit to kind of fill us up. So, Thank you for listening to, oh wait, quickly, before I pass on this, after repentance, straight awesome. It's like Disneyland. I mean, I'm just saying, like going to the dance and not having lust in your heart and just having joyful, like straight awesome to just be able to forgive someone that's hurt you and be like, I don't even feel angry. This is amazing. So just dwell on that. Not, oh, this person said not. Get over it. We're all trying to get to heaven. We're all basically evil sinners, but we have the Holy Spirit who's not. So let's just reap the harvest and get real. So thank you for this time. And let's question time. We have mics over here. So, okay, so your options right now are to share a time that you've given a fruit to somebody, the Holy Spirit, or you've been the beneficiary of said fruit, or you can ask us questions because, as you all can see, we're pretty much open books at this point. So, (laughs) go over there. Uh, Curtis. I I know she's got someone in the back, but... To the left. To the left. left. Oh. Izquierda. Izquierda.
2: Izquierda. Izquierda. Oh, left. More left. Left. (laughs) left. Yeah.
3: Hello, everyone. My name is Daniel. I'm from the North region. Actually, I don't have a question, but I want to share something about me. Amen. that's okay with everybody. I got baptized in 99. I I left the church in 2004. I just got restored uh, about a year and a half ago. And even standing here this morning. <laughs>
1: speaking,
3: <laughs> so I'm outside looking at the uh, uh, schedule for today. And there's Be Still My Soul and Restore My Soul. And standing there, I realized my soul and I, you know, it's not still. You know, I'm often getting into trouble. I'm often uh, getting into deep water. And I realized standing there that, You know, I need to restore my soul. And my soul needs to be restored every single day that I go by because I don't have a great connection with God, and that's something that I'm working with every day. So every morning that we wake up, or in the morning every every time I wake up, I have control of what I do from morning until the night I go to sleep. I don't have control after I fall asleep myself. So what I do is I try to restore myself every night. Because if I fall asleep and my soul is not restored, I'm always hesitating. I can't go to sleep. I need to, like, something's going on. So my soul is will tell me something. Hey, do you know, you need to restore yourself with me right now. Because if you fall asleep, you know, and something happens, you know, I don't have control over that. So I'm glad that standing here in front of you guys, I'm able to tell you guys that I'm getting myself restored every single day that I go by my soul is in it now still. And I realized, hey, I'm going to need restoration till the day that I die. Amen. So there is a, a passage here that I want to share with you guys. And I realized that, hey, I'm not the only one with the same restoration or my soul and I need needs to be restored. Even Jesus said, hey, now my soul is troubled. Right. And why should I say? Well, a night before I go to sleep, I have two teenagers. I'm a single parent. I have a 16- and a 15-year-old. So yeah. my soul needs to be restored every day. Amen. You know, the moment of making decisions of what to do or what not to do when your child's acting up, we have a choice to give into it or back off. Well, I'm the opposite. I give in to it. And what happens is great issues, problems, upset, your son, you're not getting along, And that's the same thing with God and I. You know, if I give in to it, you know, God and I are, hey, you know, he's going to come and discipline me. and He's going to try to teach me his way, not my way. And I often, I'm the one that goes this way rather than doing what, you know, God is asking me to do every day. But I'm glad that I'm standing here. God has kept me alive so long to be standing here. I mean, I don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. I don't have control of what's going to happen later on in the day. Only God knows. But I do know that I need to make sure that I can continue to restore myself. Every day, every moment that goes by, I fly solo. One of the brothers told me this. Hey, you know, I ne- we never see you with friends. We never see you hanging out with the disciples. Like, you fly solo. Like, how do you do it? Well, I realized two days ago, talking to my brother, I'm not sure if he's here, that he told me I live a very lonely life and Mm -hmm. that my kids are following after me because both of my sons don't have friends either. So I need to make myself that change in my life where they can see that, hey, having a family in God is healthy. Having a family outside God is a very unhealthy one and it's going to create a lot of problems issues whatnot and we tend to follow and give in easily to the outside world rather than to you know the disciples here and one of those they often challenge you every day of your life to restore your soul and sometimes we're very negative hey i can't do that that's really difficult for me i don't want to give in to that so like yesterday the battle of the sexes there's when they walked away they left their uh, baggage in the back well myself is this yeah i can leave my baggage behind but it takes a quick second to turn around and it's just right there so we got to make sure that we stand strong every day amen and continue to move forward i am single but i'm only looking for god to restore my soul amen. today and tomorrow and as i continue to move forward amen thank you
1: all right Well, we're we're out of time. Yeah, we're out of time. We went over, so we gotta run. So thank you all for coming. We're out of time. We're gonna do Q and A, but it happened. We ran out of time. You've just listened to audio from the Catalyst Conference. For more information about Catalysts, please visit
3: catalystretreat.com.